Hey, Deborah. Hey, Zach. Can you hear me? I can hear you. How's things going? Very good. How about you? Good. What have you been up to? Oh, not too much. Just a lot of work as always trying to, uh, you know, navigate the new reality. <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere, anywhere so or anytime soon. Absolutely not. It is not. No, no. I see that you are again um, changing and morphing with the times. I'm always impressed with what you're up to. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? You just got to do it. And especially right now, especially with this podcast, I was like, just do it, Zach. Stop. Stop holding back. You know, there's a lot of fear in it, obviously getting out there and all that again. But uh, I think it's good for me to do. Keeps you busy, too. Oh, yeah. Adapting and evolving. Isn't that what it's all about? Exactly. And I bet you half the people, including yourself, would barely have the time, you know, if we were still in that rat race of life. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, there has to be somewhat of a balance there. I mean, I, I don't even actually like using that word, but there has to be a balance of some kind where you're getting enjoyment. Otherwise, what's the purpose of moving forward just to get to the next day? At home? Yeah, I do all my stuff in home. I sold my commercial property and uh, thank yeah. God. I mean, it's like I dodged a bullet there or something. So, yeah, I have this office where I'm sitting here yeah. and then back there's a different situation. And then uh, I do some... Well, I'm trying to help um, a couple of companies with their finances because obviously it's been pretty straining for everyone. You don't stop, do you? No, I don't. I'm always trying to scoop somebody up or save somebody or do something, yeah. even though, you know, sometimes I put myself on the back burner, but um, it's it's hard to watch when you have friends that are struggling and, you know, our illustrious government is... Don't, don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know we're, we're not uh, started yet, but yeah, it is frustrating. Oh, yeah. And... Are you seeing a lot of businesses bleed? Just oh, burning yeah. cash like nothing? Well, yeah, unless you're one of the big conglomerates like the Walmarts and the yeah. Costcos and all those guys. And it's just frustrating because it's just ongoing. And mm. I don't see um, why people don't understand that even though they're giving out all these subsidies, which is nice short term, who do they think is going to end up paying all this money back? It's going to be not the, the not the bottom rich. feeders let's say that yeah it's going to be middle class and down and we're all going to pay for it it's like the carbon tax right mm -hmm. um, yeah you know they said it's the biggest transfer of wealth is what's <laughs> happening right now where where the middle yeah. class and all that is going towards walmart and costco and all that <laughs> yeah sure. well yeah because you know you it's all i love the idea of supporting local and doing mm -hmm. that but who can afford it right now that's the other thing, right? Like we're all in this together, support local. Okay. But local is also expensive guys. I don't know. Well, if you yeah. Know that. <laughs> yeah. And they don't even, uh, they really don't have a chance against these big boys. So it is no. frustrating. Yeah. And Amazon as well. Right. Some oh, of them yeah. I mean, I have billions, to admit or billions over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Bezos. I'm sure he's hurting. Oh yeah. Right. And at least he's uh, now stepped down as CEO. Oh, Denny, I didn't even hear yeah, that. But he's, he stepped out as CEO to be the executive chairman. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, like it's a I little think, different, right? Yeah, yeah, he can kind of do whatever he wants. Him and a few other people, we can probably name off real quick. But <laughs> are you a big fan of uh, Elon still? Um, yeah. I mean, I, he's he's a little odd, I must say. He's getting odder as the, the years go by. But yeah, I mean, I do appreciate his intellect and and that he is able to have put so much change into our uh, society globally. Yeah. And even though his methods and and his the way he does things may not mm -hmm. agree with a lot of the, how we would look at things culture, culturally or otherwise. Right. Yeah, sure. Look what he's done. He's brought the, the age of EVs. Yeah. Um, he's he's in with the space programs and he's advanced a lot of things. So you lo love him or hate him. He's done a lot for us, I think. Have you ever watched some of his interviews? <laughs> he, he seems yes. like he's so difficult to interview. <laughs> I can only imagine, but I can, but think about it. Think how his mind works. It's so different than anyone yeah, else's. It's so different. I mean, I can't even imagine having that kind of a, um, a brain operating. I mean, here's a guy that would sit in the library on the floor, sneak off and, and start reading all the books and run out of books to read. Who does that? <laughs> no, that's a different person. That's a different breed of human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's needing a different kind of sustenance to keep him going. He has something related to Canada. I think Saskatchewan with his grandmother is actually from here, from a farm. So he used to come up there. Or is it Alberta? It's one of them. But yeah. Well, it seems like a lot of good people come from Saskatchewan. It's sort of a trend, isn't it? Even even your buddy, Brett. I know. That's what, ironically, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Hey, you know what? Whatever keeps you busy and afloat, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, much like yourself. I mean, I do watch some of the things you post. Um, your pictures are phenomenal. And um, now you're doing this Canadian podcast and the content is great. I've looked at some of the people like Jim Button. Yeah, um, he's a great guy. Other. Yeah, he really story. is. He, he's got a great story. I did listen to him give a speech at the Palliser a couple of years back. It was amazing. I mean, a year to live and all. Where is that today yeah. in his life? And he's still going. He's still going. And he's, you know, I'm sure he has tough times behind doors that we don't actually see him and Karen and his family. But um, uh, that he gets out there and does his best to support and do what he can while he's with us. That's that's uh, bar none. Mm -hmm. No, that's all that matters. We've seen so many great people pass away hey, over the oh. years now. In Calgary, oh, especially, just gone like, icons and legends, and <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I just—I've been telling my friends, my God, if I make it to fifty-three, I'm—I'm I'm golden. I should go all the way to a hundred. And then you have friends that I have, like uh, Patricia Moore. Oh yeah, um, she's lovely, and she mm -hmm. is what ninety. Wow. And she—we go for walks often, and I'm the one huffing and puffing. I guess I should, you know, readdress my fitness program. I don't know, but she's in amazing shape, and she's so fun because she's, you know, she was a teacher, and she received the Order of Canada a couple of years ago, so there's a reason for that, and she's very involved still. So. So when are we gonna see you on there? Oh, <laughs> probably never. I'd be too busy helping everybody else exactly. up. I don't exactly. need yeah. any fame and fortune. That's not for me. <laughs> how, how do you find uh, ways to help yourself up? And, you know, when you give, give, give. And sometimes, I don't know if you realize this, but there's a lot of takers versus receivers. Oh, yes. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I really do. And I have, you know, some of my friends that are very giving and very, and, and, and I can see people surrounding them that maybe are, taking advantage of that and it's very frustrating to see but I I, I can relate to this because I've done it mm -hmm. so it's hard to you know to set a cap on yourself like when you're giving away more than you have you you make a dollar and you give two that doesn't work um, mm -hmm. and I've seen that more than not uh, as of late and um, I don't know I just I try to keep the ones that are that have been with me the whole time through the wow. goods and the bads, keep those close to me and still love everybody as a whole and not leave anybody stranded. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you know what, I have to recognize there's facilities, there's programs, there's social programs out there that can help some of these people. And I don't need to save the whole world. No. I can just, you know, say one at a time and therefore not destroy myself while doing it. <laughs> Is it is it nature or nurture in order for you to save the world? Like, did you grow up thinking I need to become this person, a hero or heroine for people? You know what? That's a really good question, because when I grew up, um, I was bullied a lot when I was younger. And mm -hmm. so when I got into my older years or when I say older years, I mean, like, teenager right. and I would see somebody getting bullied and, and I would just literally I don't know how to explain this but I would black out it wouldn't matter how big the person was if I saw a bully I would run over there and just get right in the middle of it and push the you know whoever's doing the bullying away I, I don't have any respect for those kind of people and I think that attitude carried into my adulthood where I'm, I'm always that one that wants to protect or help the person that that needs a hand up Right. And so I'm going to say it's probably my nature. It's just, it's just who I am. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that ever changing. Were you born in Alberta? No, no. I was actually born in upper BC, um, okay. Fort St. John, not Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> so I say BC, everybody thinks Southern, I wish. Um, so like a little oil town uh, population, 26,000. Uh, there wasn't a lot of um, career choices or opportunities there when I grew up. Um, so I quickly moved over to Alberta. I went to Edmonton first in the times of the Wayne Gretzky um, era. Yeah. yeah, that era where woohoo, we were kicking butt and all the hockey and Kurt Browning was winning all the ice skating <laughs> awards. It was amazing. And then when we amalgamated with um, America, so, you know, the NHL and everybody started going south of the border, I sort of lost interest and um, decided to move south to Calgary, close to the mountains, and I've been here ever since. And as much as I detest the cold, as the older I get, the worse that becomes for me. I just love the people in the city, so that's why I'm still here. You know, I always see pictures of you and your 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 family, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Have you that's always nice. been family oriented. Uh, well, 
I mean, yes and no. You're like, Zach, ask me when, ask me in my teens. <laughs> he was going to say, how many hours do we have, Zach? Um, yes, yeah, so I had a little bit of a tumultuous uh, childhood, but I'm very close to my mom and my dad and actually my brother as well. Um, my dad's actually in a facility right now. He's got a little touch of dementia and Alzheimer's. And at first I felt really bad for him, but because of all this stuff that's happening now, it's a good thing because he has no concept of time. So when my mom goes to visit him once a week for her 30 minute allowable time right. spot, um, he just thinks it's great. And, you know, he's happier now than he was when I was growing up with him. So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that bit worked out quite well. <laughs> he's at peace. Yeah. yeah, he is at peace. And he has no, I mean, virus, COVID, he has no concept of any of that. So the only um, issue that I have in respect to that is the other people in there that are still a little more cognitive than he is. Mm -hmm. And the divisiveness of the COVID and these people are lonely enough. So it's really sad to see the people parked up against the walls. And I mean, I would, let's not even go there. That's, that's not a happy story. No, no. Even same with me is like, like I said, my mom passed away in August, 2019. Oh my. So for me, I think it's in a way, a blessing in disguise. She never got to see COVID. We got to spend time with her at a hospital. You know, so many loved ones are dying on FaceTime or alone. I just couldn't imagine. Yeah, isn't it horrible? I mean, I am very grateful when I'm grocery shopping to not have somebody's cart, you know, taking the skin off my heels while I'm standing in the line. <laughs> but I mean, because there is some good that comes up. But, but um, yeah, overall, if we want to look at the the overall situation with the divisiveness with the economical uh, downfall. I mean, I just, I can't even imagine what's going to happen, but you know, we have to evolve and change. And it's almost like we're, we're almost going into a communist setting where we, we just have to do something. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen at the end of 2021, how our government's going to handle it. Are we still going to get these massive carbon taxes that, you know, that the liberals are trying to put on us? I mean, and what, what change have you seen? What, is all this money going towards well right now it's going back to us because of you know they're giving us all these subsidies mm -hmm. but that's there's going to be an end to that where's all this money coming from it's going to be a catastrophe i mean i don't want to say this but even like serb like oh yeah yeah like half these people are going on trips like to mexico with the <laughs> serb money because this yeah. is more than they've ever made and none of it no. makes sense and we're all gonna pay for this like well yeah no. money Especially yeah, for the millennials and whatnot, so. Yeah, and Zach, the sad thing about that is the program's there for the people that actually need it, for the families, the moms that are on their own, they have children, and now they're, mm. the kids are not at daycare, how are they going to work? I mean, I can understand why it's there, but with any social program, and I mean anything, there's always those people that can come in and take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And then the government has a look. And instead of clawing back from the people that are actually thieving from those programs, they make all sorts of mistakes and they take the money back from the people that need it. And this is my frustration. I don't know mm -hmm. where the training comes from with some of these government programs, but I've dealt with them over the years. And it is just, it's, it's really unbelievable. My mom and dad had their own little store for years before they retired. And I can remember my mom calling me saying that um, one of these government people, employees, was phoning them saying they owed all this kind of money, you know, thousands of dollars for, for taxes. Was it like the prince in Nigeria calling them or what was yeah, it? No, it was, it, well, it might as well have been because it was so ridiculous. They wanted them to pay uh, EI. Right. Oh. Well, you're working for yourself. yourself. You don't pay EI because if you your company goes bust, you don't get it. And that was just one example. Anyways, it's just, I could go on for hours about that too. People don't realize like a small business owner, what they actually get out of it at the end of the day, which is kind of a goose egg. Like if you stop, you stop, unless you properly yeah. have insurance and whatnot, you know? Well, and that's just it. And many people, you know, they go out with this big dream and, and they get crushed. And some of it, I mean, it's not all government issue causing them all these problems, but they don't understand what they're getting themselves into. And you've got to be pretty tough to, to get through all the ebbs and flows of what the business requires and half of them aren't organized, you know, nothing about finance and it's a disaster. And then you enter in the government and, you know, pushing them, you know, over there, they're so busy giving away all their money to the big companies for Ben. I, I don't, I'm not going to point any out, but I know these, let's, let's just switch subjects a bit. So the government gives all this money to the large companies um, across our, our country Mm -hmm. And the, these companies are having to quickly spend a whole bunch of money at the end of the year by buying a whole new fleets of vehicles that they don't need. Otherwise, they lose that money. 
yet the medium and the smaller businesses are all suffering, even though we employ the majority of Canadian citizens. That makes no sense to me. You, know, you hit it. And I mean, the way people would run businesses, especially the bigger companies, you had like five to 10 people on one team and half the time they're not doing anything, going on Starbucks breaks. And a lot of the old companies were doing that at that oh. one moment in time. Yeah, I seen that. I remember the old Nova. I'm going to point them out just because they're somebody else now. But exactly. I remember Nova and Novacore Chemicals, and I would go around and I'd I'd be fixing their computers. This when uh, this was when Microsoft Word and all that just came in with the little icons. Oh yes, of course, yeah. nobody knew how to use those on point and click, but it was different, right? If you mm -hmm. remember back then, and I would see all sorts of people sitting around all day long doing nothing, and and it's almost like well. You could probably take 30% of these staff members and, and let them go and yeah. be way more profitable. I mean, I, I'm all for giving people a job, but I mean, that's who wants a job where you just sit there and you don't have any purpose and you're just collecting a paycheck. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I could not have a job like that ever in my life. I'm no sure way. there's a few employees that would really enjoy that. Yeah, right. Yeah, but as a, and I agree. And but course, as a business owner, we think the other way, right? We're like, yeah. well, that's not needed. Like cut Boring. the force down here. Yeah. Well, business is black and white. It's like a hockey game. How do you know if you're winning and losing in life? You look at the numbers. And well, yeah, and these big companies are the first ones to pay you at 120 days, even though your invoice is 30 days. And, you know, they're, they're always trying to nickel and dime the little guy. And meanwhile, they have 30, 40% more staff than they need to survive. And now with this COVID and no, no companies running downtown from their downtown offices, imagine what's going to happen now. Oh, That's what I'm going to say. This is just, that. this is just the beginning of what oh, we're seeing. Yeah. This is not like people are worried about COVID. This is, that's just a talk right now. What's happening underneath. Oh my God. Uh, oh, so many changes. Imagine if you were a commercial building owner right now. Are you going to switch all your buildings downtown to residential properties? What's the impact of that? And then, of course, the government's going to get their hands in there and make that difficult, I'm sure. You know, like, so what are we going to do with all this extra property? Space, yeah. yeah. What do you see happening in downtown? Do you think it's going to be revitalized to a new um, metropolitan area? So, you know the, how the um, uh, Westman Village operates? Mm -hmm. So, the, you, the people live and work and everything's kind of all in these little communities. Right. I think they're going to have to do something similar to that. Like, I'm not opposed to having the um, downtown core, some of these empty spaces turned into residential spaces. But we've already been overbuilding for years for residential as well. So, I mean, when COVID hit, I was just go. looking at all the cranes still. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. And everyone's moving out of Alberta. Well, and well, and you can thank your, I keep saying the government because I'm so ticked off with them, but you can thank them for that as well, right? And now we have Biden across down south and who knows what he's going to actually do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. We have to have more. I'm all for the oil industry. I'm going to say that on record, but we also need to diversify enough that we can keep our economy going outside of that. Yeah. I know a lot of people are obviously upset about the Keystone Pipeline, which who isn't, especially yeah. from Alberta. Yeah. Especially when we spent how many, how many billion, like total in seven billion now? Well, we own it now, so. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> Whatever it happens to it now, who knows? A, a whole it. pie, that's not making us anything, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, Zach. I mean, honestly, what what is the solution? There's not one solution that's going to happen, but we're definitely going to have to put our big boys and big girls shoes on and, and uh, we have to diversify i mean we've yeah. said that for years and but oil is our main thing here in alberta now yeah and you know what anybody that says that oil is you know going by the way of the dodo bird that's ridiculous if you knew how many things that oil and uh, oil and gas industry services and and what products that's in all the lubricants all everything like i mean tires yeah. you don't know it's not just yeah. fuel well, yeah, and we're one of the cleanest operating companies or uh, countries in the world, world yeah. and yet somehow we're always the ones being pointed out in all these demonstrations and people that are against the oil and gas industry, and half of them are paid, as you know. Um, so that it's just really, it's really offset. It's really unfair with the, the way it's going. And if anybody thinks that there's not going to be issues with battery farms, come on now. There's only so many resources that we can mine for that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. What did you think about the coal mines? Oh, well, I mean, again, they served their purpose. Uh, um, I think those are going to start falling off. I mean, you know, like the big, uh, the ones up north, Trialta, were all shut down a couple of years back. 
Um, Did you hear about like everyone was busy during COVID and then that law had just expired from the 70s and the government had tried to sell off some assets to Australia? Did you hear about that recently? I, I heard briefly some of that, but I didn't <laughs> read into it enough. I, like With all this COVID, honest to God, I try to stay off the media as much as possible. It's so good. It's I exhausting. It, it is exhausting. And then not only that, the media... Um, not well, not as bad in Canada, but I mean, they're they're being fed information that's not necessarily mm -hmm. true, and then they're sending it to the people that are sitting at home watching it on their TVs or listening to it on their 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 podcasts and whatnot, and they believe into it, and then everybody gets angry, and nobody even knows what they're angry about. I think the bottom line is people at our level yeah. don't have a friggin' clue of what's really going on globally because mm -hmm. we're not at that level. We're not. The making those decisions and they're operating yeah. at the it's almost like it's like geppetto pulling strings if that's what i was gonna do this <laughs> that's exactly what i feel like there's a, a group or you know of people that are so far up there pulling all the strings and making things change you know globally it's I like mean, the george soros and all of those individuals yeah. <laughs> Exactly, because even Europe got on board with all the the masks and all this stuff and i'm all i, I there's obviously an issue there but I think the reaction, you can't take any problem on any level with one paintbrush and it's one shoe fits all kind of a, a fix. Yeah. It's so over the top in some situations and not enough in other situations. Like why are the little kids, for instance, going back to school under a certain age group, running around without masks and they, and they say that because they're not causing the problems. Well, think about that, Zach. It, for human beings, if you get... COVID, I mean, you're going home and... Yeah, exactly. The little ones are the ones that are all... I'm with you on that 100%. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. So it's just <laughs> so many things don't make sense. And, no. and I think that's why you're getting a lot of pushback. So you have both sides of that. I just think they need like entrepreneurs on their team because yeah. or business owners because I, I don't know who's sitting behind these desks and these cubicles and all the red tape they've got. And, oh, we'll talk on Monday's meeting next Monday. So they just delay, delay, and, you know, they'll go out for their sandwich and their office coffee, and that's all they're doing. Yeah, they're not affecting <laughs> annoying. Like, you need business owners in there to tell you this is exactly what's happening and, and, and make those decisions like an entrepreneur. Well, and that's just it. And what I see happening is like in the political arenas, you get the people that with all the good intentions going in, like um, Brad Field, he's up, he's going to be out for the, the mayor's job. I mean, it's a big job, whoever's coming in next. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's why, you know, that's why I'm thinking Brad might be a good fit, because as you just said, we need somebody with business acumen and a good background. He's been here pretty much his whole life. His family's here. And um, I'll definitely be voting for him. Yeah. What about Jeremy? How is he doing? Farkas? Yes. Um, I don't know how he's been doing. Um, I respect him just for the fact that he doesn't follow like a sheep. He, yeah. If he has something to say, whether it's popular or not popular, he gets out there and says it. So um, in that respect, I, I, I like what he's doing. Um, you know, you're not going to agree with what everything that they say, no matter whether you like him or not, but uh, good for him. Yeah, I think there's like 10 contestants right now, but I think this is just, just the beginning. Wow. Yeah, that's just the beginning. Um, it'd be interesting to see who throws their, their hat in the ring. I mean, let's remember, it's not free to do that. So you got to be a little bit serious. So tell me about this. When you were growing up, what was bullying like for you and why were you getting bullied? Oh my Lord, probably a plethora of things. But um, I think depending on what your household was like, like my parents raised me to be respectful and respect your elders, be mm -hmm. kind to others, you know, treat, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. And so I went into elementary school and, you know, first couple of years was okay. And then, you know, I had at that time buck teeth. I had a, you know, mm -hmm. a few other things were, you know, I'm a very polite, always trying to help people. And when you're, if you can remember being a child yourself, people take advantage and that's kind of what happened. And so you slowly, you slowly start losing yourself. And no matter what you do, you're always getting picked on. So there's always that one kid. And I sort of put up with that until uh, probably grade two to grade seven, somewhere in there. And then I just couldn't take it. And so you snap and you tell everybody off or whatever you got to do. And suddenly, just like that, everybody's on your side. It was just um, interesting. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like yeah. enough is yeah. enough. And here and, I am now. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then you start seeing other people going through similar things and you look at them and you wonder why. Well, some of it is just that you're so um, 
like it's in your own mind the fear and the anxiety and or you or or the victim mentality at times as well yes you take on that and you just think there's something wrong with you and so you cower and you you allow it to happen and then it just propagates so i mean not that i'm advocating you know punching people and fighting back and all that all you know that's not But setting boundaries in your life are important you you can stand up for yourself right and show people how you want to be treated that's important yeah yeah, you don't have to be a subordinate to every single person that comes by right no. and they kick you. You don't have to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Canadian. I have another. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. carry on. Yeah. So, Deborah, not many people know this, but your story is really interesting. You were actually, you left home at a young age. Is that yes. correct? Yes. I think some of that was, um, you know, I, I, I felt very confined in a, in a, a man dominated home. You know, my dad was very overpowering and his rules are the highway kind of a thing, have the dinner ready at five or else. And I just, you know, after I got away from the bullies and I came out and went, Hey, if I stand up for myself, I can actually, you know, do what I want to do. I think I almost went to, you know, too extreme the other way. And I just thought, Oh, now I can do what I want. And I'm not going to be told by you, 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 how to, you know, run my life. I'll run my own life and away I went uh, at 14. It wasn't as exciting as I thought to begin with. <laughs> so you basically, you, you, again, you, you adapt and you survive. I mean, what's really the option? You have, to, you have to learn how to get through. And I would pick up little odd jobs like uh, construction jobs for Cargill, anything to, to give a little bit of traction to mm-hmm. pay for my own way. And I did a secretary job, like just random stuff. And then I started putting myself through school. Um, which How old were you at this time when you had done all this? Oh, all that? Uh, 14. Wow. I started that's at 14. And I mean, I hitchhiked down to Texas. I did all sorts of bizarre things just trying to find myself. And I was very fortunate that I didn't come across something that you know, could have harmed me personally or physically or anything like that. Um, I, but I think it was because I had such a strong mindset that I just figured, um, and remember this is before web, you know, the internet and all that stuff, uh, no cell phones. So it was very isolating. Um, but I just thought, you know, I'm a tough girl. I can handle this. What's, what's everybody's problem. I don't understand. <laughs> so yeah, I had no. zero fear, zero fear whatsoever. And it's not that I didn't come across some nefarious people, but I just basically went the other way. Mm-hmm. and kept on going so have you done that in life a lot where you know obviously dodged a few bullets or close calls of dangerous situations whether it's in business or in life oh absolutely mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's been a lot of tears over the years where you, you you're trying to get something accomplish something um, for the betterment of yourself and for others like even when i started my company um my thought process was well, I'm, I'm, you know, mid thirties. Um, I have no debt. What's the worst that could happen? I, I, I make a complete fool of myself, which is just ego. Anyways, mm-hmm. I go bankrupt and I start again, making 150 a year in the industry that I was in anyways. So again, there wasn't a lot of fear, but I'll tell you when it came down to the wire, after the first six months went by and I thought, Oh my God, I actually, I'm going to have to you know, close down because I uh, clearly I'm, I'm a smart person, but I didn't have enough uh, business background, none actually. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I went out on a New Year's Eve with a girlfriend to bingo of all things, because that's what she wanted to do. Hey, it's fun. Bingo is fun. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I haven't been for forever, but um, yeah. So yeah, we went there mean. and I'm eating my French fries and, yeah. you know, doing that kind of thing. I had, there was this thing called um, satellite bingo and we bought some tickets and I actually won, uh, shared it with somebody in Edmonton. I was so excited. I went to the bank and I had this purple crayon in my, in my car and I signed the back of the check and stuck it in. It was 12,000 something dollars. Oh. oh my God. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have made it. Isn't that crazy? So that's seriously. My- I totally think the universe was like, okay, yeah, we made keep you going. Stuff, keep going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Were, it was, was it because you're spending a lot of money on like burning through cash on assets or is that what it was? Costing? Well, yeah. You know, it was $150,000 just to outfit one x-ray truck. So it was, um, you know, x-ray trucks that go around and inspect all of the pipelines and vessels and that kind of thing. So for one, to outfit that properly, $150,000, and I couldn't get a loan from anyone. Um, so I, what I ended up doing is I went to the same, I, ha- I got a bunch of credit cards, 
And so these same banks that kept turning me down for various reasons, some didn't even call me back because they didn't take me seriously. Um, I just put it all on the credit cards. And then I called them back a week later and said, you know, uh, I started a company, I spent all the money, but if you're going to charge me this kind of interest, I'm just going to, I'm just going to call bankrupt because I can't do it. And they all dropped down to zero to 0 0.9 or something. Oh, oh no, wow. capital one was 3.99. So oh. they carried that for two years until I paid it off. It took me two years because mm -hmm. as I was starting, I kept getting more clients and I kept having to buy more equipment and uh, it just sort of went from there. It was the who, best. Uh, who were your clients when you first started? Were they like the big oil companies or the juniors? Um, it was a, one of my friends that I met throughout the industry ahead of time started a company out in Didsbury. And I'll tell you, his name was uh, Marty Sheridan, who owns uh, Tara Products. He's still oh, my wow. client. He was my first client. Um, love those guys. Now he's like down in Mexico living with his wife and kids. He's done so well. So he, it was nice because he started about six months after I did and we sort of supported each other through that zone. And then, you know, I kind of stayed here and did my thing and he just, whoo, way he went. Smart guy. He started as a welder and then he kept going. So I'm, I'm really proud of him. No, that's um, and then, yeah, so it was a lot of larger um, um, fabrication shops. Uh, Canadian 88 way back when now it, yeah. you know, it's been changed to prime West and then to something else now. So that was one of my, my oil companies, TACA, um, Talisman. So, oh, yeah, wow. all those. Did you ever, uh, do you remember, uh, or do you know Jim Kinnear? I do know him. I met him at a business in Calgary event at the Petroleum Club. Nice. Uh, I went there with a friend. This is when Ken King was still around. Mm -hmm. Rest his soul. Anyways. Oh, great guy, um, eh? Ken King. Yeah, that was, a, that was a tough one. I'm so, so fortunate mm -hmm. that I, I met him or I saw him at a Flames game, him in Maryland, um, uh, months just before he passed. And uh, it's kind of a picture that I'm I'll keep forever. Can't talk you know, about him. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah, you'll never, you'll never know that he was sick. He was very well at keeping it together in a way. He was very good at hiding that. He always had a smile. And uh, again, another person, he did so much for our community and, mm -hmm. and for hockey. And uh, that's just a unfortunate, sad event for sure. Yeah, I saw, I'm going to take this off the air, but I saw Jim Kinnear at uh, Highs. He was so hammered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he was hammered or not at the Petroleum Club, oh, yeah. but we had a good conversation. Uh, Interesting friend, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a, yeah, whatever. He's, I, I met him. I don't have any comment either way, just because I yeah. don't, I don't. Same here. I don't know him that well, but it's yeah, just, no, it was I, fun. Yeah. 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 Um, so was it tough being a female in a male dominated industry? And I'm sure you've heard that question. Once or twice. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's a twofold answer because it was tough in respect to the competitors who uh, constantly would send uh, regulatory authorities over to make sure I was doing everything, you know, correctly. Mm. So I had to always comply over and above with the Atomic Energy Control Board at that time, um, OH&S. You know, everything I did had to be, I had to be very careful because it was constantly being monitored. So that part of it was extremely difficult. Um, but as far as clients went, it was, it was great. It worked to my advantage because I went in and I'm there to do a good job. And once they realized that I knew what I was doing, I'd read the documents, I knew the code books inside and out, it was nice. So, so they would let their guard down and, and they would rather deal with me than some guy walking in with, you know, their ego because I've owned the company for 30 years, that kind of a thing. And uh, so that, so getting the clients was um, the easy part. And then keeping your staff, qualified staff, that's a little more difficult, right? Because the loyalty isn't what it used to be. What you was know? your biggest achievement or I guess your milestone where you just were so proud of yourself? Like, holy smokes, I'm on the right <laughs> path. I've made, like, you know, we have that awakening in our life and we're like, yeah, something's going on. Um, I think for me it was, you know, because even now I think, oh, I don't know, did I do this? Did I do that that right and whatever? So mm -hmm. you're always questioning yourself as an entrepreneur because you have all these voices coming at you all the time saying you should, you should do this, try that, don't do that. And, and there's all these opinions. And usually those opinions, for the most part, are based on that person's world and their environment without looking at the full picture. So when you're an entrepreneur and you're a business owner, you have to look at what's the better decision for everybody as a whole, not just for one person. And it doesn't matter whether they're a family or they're a single guy because one person doesn't get punished over the other for, you know, whatever reason. And so I think for me, when I 
the first thing was when I got my Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission license or Atomic Energy Control Board at the time, it took me three months to get that. So when they said, yes, here's your license, you can start your business. I, I mean, I both passed out. I couldn't believe it. Right? Of course, so that that's was a fun. Yeah, then five years later, when that went in the blink of an eye, when I was still there and I bought my one acre of land in the Foothills Industrial Park mm -hmm. with a, you know, a little 5,000 square foot shop. For me, that was like a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And then we stayed there for nine years before I eventually sold it and made a good profit. Mm -hmm. uh, so that to me was um, a, a milestone, I guess, mm -hmm. for me, where I felt like, okay, I am, I'm not going anywhere. I made the right decision. I've got staff that are, you know, happily working. They're staying home with their families. They don't have to go up North to, and, and the other thing was, um, the purpose for starting that company was it, our industry was rampant with drug abuse and alcohol abuse and all sorts of things like that. And then there was a small percentage of us that weren't like that. It's not that we didn't go out and enjoy, a, you know, some wine or whatever, but we were not into it to the point where we're passing out and all the things that were happening. Enough destruction. Yeah. yeah. So I created an environment for a family oriented um, group of people that could come home every night to their families, still make a decent living. And, you know, if you're going to have to work in the industry, you have to work for a living. You, let's try and be happy. So no. that's what I did. So I think I did a pretty good job of that. Um, not for everybody, but, you know, there was a little bit of transient stuff, but I still have some people that have been with me for, well, almost the 19 years where I'm going into 20 years in July. Excited for that or what? Well, kind of. It's yeah. like, wow, I'm still here. I mean, I, I've downsized now because I want to be able to give more of myself to other people, not just um, our industry. And I'm, I'm happy with where we're at. And it's there's not a lot of stress anymore, Zach. It's nice. <laughs> How did you not spread yourself so thin in, I mean, you probably saw so many windows of opportunities, especially in the booms and whatnot. Like, oh, yeah. I should get into that. Or maybe I should invest more into a junior oh. oil company. Yeah. And said, no, I'm going to stay focused on what I do exactly. <laughs> that's, that's not quite what I did. Um, oh. <laughs> I peeked my head out a few places. I did try a few things, which I failed at. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I realized through the journey that their learning of that was, um, you know, I'm not Richard Branson. I, I can't just start a, you know, an airplane business mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. I am one of those people that has to understand what it is that I'm, I'm dealing with. I need right. to understand the industry that I'm getting into. So I can't just go off and do digital currency companies and all that kind of thing, which is one of my failures. Yeah. And, um, and I'm oh, happy. Are you, are you still part of Oro? Was it? No, I let that go. After is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was so disappointing yeah. because, you know, I, I wanted to start that in the premise of helping um, for families. Yeah. In, yeah. And their families. And I see that the, the banks, even, um, you know, the transferring of the money was those so rates just gouge them. Don't they? They yeah, work so hard and you don't see it on the onset. And we had something a little bit different where we were facilitating this exchange very quickly using mm -hmm. cryptocurrency, um, as the medium there and you get it quick. And the, it was like cents on the dollar. It was so much cheaper. And yet we would still make an, an amazing profit off of it. But we, there's not a lot of coders in Calgary that were up to that task. We didn't have the, you know, we spent a couple hundred thousand on it and we just couldn't get the idea across enough to, to get it launched. And we did have ATB actually quite interested. We were going to use them as a testing ground, but we just, we couldn't get the code done. And we just thought, you know what, life's too short. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. so we're there, you know, this is not the right thing for us. Mm -hmm. And so we let it go. How do you know when to let it go versus keep? throwing in more resources towards a project. Cause you know, you might say, Oh, we're 200,000 in, we can't stop now. Yeah. I totally thought that for a while. I, I don't know what the answer is for that because yeah. I feel like I hung on to that one a little longer than I should have. Gut instinct, right? Or yeah, and, but your, your, your gut instinct is telling you, Oh my God, it's just, it, it's not going, it's not going. We needed a big influx of money or it's not going to happen. And because I couldn't do the coding myself, I know it's you tough. know, yeah. you're stuck. And so even my competitors in the industry I'm in, I find the ones that are the most successful are the ones that have family members that are doing their accounting, that are doing, mm -hmm. you know, running certain pods of the of the company, because you need those people that you can really trust, or you get lucky and get people like I have now that I don't have to be answering the phones and they take care of anything and that until you know we get a little too busy and I might step in and help. Mm -hmm. So that is really important. And I'll tell you the finance end of it, that kills a lot of companies. 
because they get people that because they don't know enough about it they get people that in there trying to do the finances that just destroy it or destroy the company because they don't really know what they're doing and it doesn't matter whether they have designations behind their name i mean it took me probably 10 years to find someone to do my books and now i do all those myself because it's just easier is that one of your strengths or what would you say one of your strengths is to stay in this industry and in business for all these years what is some of your traits that keep you who you are? <laughs> well, definitely resilience and the, and the need to um, keep going. Uh, for me, it's like I don't want to let any of my, my staff members down. I want to do a good job at what I'm doing. Um, so I guess a lot of that, again, we're back to the ego-based thing. I've let a lot of that go now. But at the same time, there was many times where I would not take any money for months on end because something was happening that was causing a shortfall and I made sure my staff had the money. Now, whether they knew that or not, I don't know. I didn't go and you know, talk about that, but no one ever had to be worried that they were going to get a paycheck regardless of what size the company was. And equipment so, failure, you never know, right? You always have to have money in the bank for like a flat tire or whatnot. Yeah. Well, or uh, here's a good example. Um, in the last couple of months, one of our more expensive pieces of equipment was decommissioned because they didn't, the people that sold it didn't feel it was worth um, updating to the new ISO codes. Mm. So here's a $150,000 piece of equipment I can no longer use. I have to get rid of it before a certain time. And, but I need this piece of equipment. So I was forced to buy another $150,000 piece of equipment, spend $26,000 getting rid of the old one, even though it worked perfectly well, <laughs> but I couldn't transport it anymore. So there was stuff that like that happens all the time. Like I, there was even uh, earlier on, maybe uh what was it 2011 or so a bunch of our cameras we uh, six of them we couldn't use anymore our iridium cameras because uh ms nordian went bankrupt who was the people that delivered the radioactive mm -hmm. sources inside these cameras so all these smaller devices at about twenty six thousand a pop were completely useless i still have them there's no radioactive sources in them but they're just paperweights now so you quickly have to go out and put out a hundred and something thousand to replace those so i mean that kind of stuff that's part of business yeah or change or covid you're a retailer what are you doing now you better change restaurants you better change the way you're doing business and some are very profitable and, and some are like forget it Mm -hmm. Who knows what's going to happen? And some are just stick, right. sticking to their old ways. And I think the, yeah. COVID's going to really show who survives, not just because you can't be the victim mentality. This is when your true entrepreneurial spirit comes out. Can yeah. you adapt? Can you become creative? And yeah, yes. we can blame the market, but a real entrepreneur will find a way to get through the market. Yeah, there's always something. You know, there's always something. This is a bigger something, but a lot of people are doing quite well. Look at yourself. You, you're doing your podcast now and you're doing well. You're, but you're like, I wouldn't have been able to talk to you, Deborah, if we were pre-COVID. Like things were just so busy. Like we're all busy with life and events and this and that. Like, I, You know what? We are busy, but we choose where we true. put our time. I'm choosing to have this interview with you yeah, because you. I, you're a friend and yeah. I know you're always doing good things in the community. Um, and I use that excuse a lot and I catch myself, I'm choosing where to put my time. And yes, I'm busy, but I will make time for what I think is important. Do you believe that the orphan wells can be used for geothermal energy or, or uh, what is it called? Hydro, hydrogen? Hydrocarbon and stuff. I, I don't know enough about that yeah. particular um, subject, yeah. so I don't want to comment. No, I, but the people that are, if there's people out there that say it can be done, then I always say, give it a, you know, give it a shot. Cause what are you going to do with them anyways? They're just going to sit there. If there's something that can be done, do it. What are you doing these days? I mean, obviously with the industry being up and down and, and oil and gas, what do you guys do now? Are you guys busy during these times? We are actually quite busy. Um, my company uh, particularly wasn't really affected. I know when COVID first came in, uh, we also x-ray um, construction buildings. Mm -hmm. So if they're doing renovations in, in like the downtown core and I don't know, a lawyer needs a new toilet and they need to core through. So we'll go down and x-ray those slabs. And as soon as, like normally it's done at nighttime. So as soon as COVID hit, all the mechanical and electrical companies were going in during the day and then we could come in earlier and there was a whole bunch of activity on the, you know, right at the start and then it normalized again. And uh, I'm very fortunate and grateful to say that we really I, have not been affected. I, I almost feel like your business is bulletproof because I think in the <laughs> 08 or was it 2012, whenever the 
the price went down, you guys are still okay at that time as well. We needed oh, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, in 2006 was when um, all the real estate went crazy and everything sold yeah. you know, before it was up on the online or anything. And we went up north. We actually just sent one crew up north and we doubled our prices, but still less than everybody else. And then we picked up all the clients around Calgary and in the Alberta area that got left because the other companies, the competition, sent all their guys up north, which was, you know, I don't know if that's better or not. They probably made a, yeah. you know, what ton of money. And um, that helped me a lot because I was more loyal to my in-town people than I was to out-of-town because that's short-term. You know, no one knows this. Well, some do, but you can actually do every piece of what your business does. Yes. Like you'll throw on the overalls and go do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes knowledge is not a good thing because then everybody knows you know. So you get those phone calls. Oh, can you come help me do this? Can you come help me? We might. Do, I'll put that out there. <laughs> uh, oh, I sorry, I missed your phone call. <laughs> but yes, I mean, and I'm proud of that part. I mean, I didn't know anything about business when I first started. I just, you know, I had good grades in high school. What does that mean? You know, and I took a technical. I took aircraft maintenance engineering technology in SAIT, and I got good marks there. Nothing to do with business. Nothing to do with radiography. So it's just really bizarre where the direction I ended up going. And I was very good at it. I was good at the metallurgy end of it, and I'm pretty damn good at the finance end of it. And do so you have a drive to succeed? I to do the very best. Yeah, I do. I whatever. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Um, I want to do it well and I want be, mm -hmm. I want to be proud of whatever job I, I've done and that is literally anything. Yeah. You, no one talks about this much but you love cars. Have you always been a car junkie? Yes, always. And right from the point my grandfather bought me this little plastic white Corvette that I would pedal down the driveway and I broke within a week because I wore it out. Um, I've always been that way. The tinker toy cars I oh yeah those they used to buy those for me and I would throw away the ugly ones and keep all the sports cars and now so no Tonka trucks no no, no trucks <laughs> no get rid of those yeah. no and I don't know how I even came up with that because not to give my age away here but we had like a black and white tv mm -hmm. um channel two and five mm -hmm. it's not like I saw this stuff on tv I just was always drawn to the cars yeah. and I can remember my dad saying um you know when I was whatever 15 16 he was trying to sell, get this nice, really well running, I don't know what it was because it was ugly, um, <laughs> some kind of square car, old, ugly car, but, you know, mechanically sound. And I refused to drive it because it was so disgusting. And instead, I bought this 1972, um, what was it, a Ford Mustang with, I don't know, jacked up with Ooh, two straight yeah. Complete piece of junk. <laughs> But better than dad's. Yeah. It was really hot and I loved driving it until it didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it the sounds, the design it, or the power? Is. What is it for you? It's, it's everything. It's just, yeah. I don't know if it's I have, sexy, right? Something. It's, it's sexy. There's something about it. You know how people just have that a hobby yeah. or they're drawn to stuff. I mean, I guess they could collect hedgehogs mm -hmm. or something, but I just, a car for me, I mean, I drive it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then I need a new one because I need to try something. Yeah, you do switch. You, you, I do. I mean, I've had lots of different ones, like the Aston Martin, the Bentley, the... But the one that you keep now is the Corvette, the Stingray. I still have the Stingray. I still have that. What is the attachment to the Stingray? You got to talk about that. I just is that your, one of your first like muscle or is it just there's something beautiful about it and you got it wrapped didn't you not long yes, ago yes i got it all redone and wrapped and it's a beautiful um zetter auto takes care of the mechanics mm -hmm. is uh, here is amazing um i don't know what it is when i was younger i saw a corvette i love them right from the beginning like the old corvette so mine's a 71 stingray so i always wanted one and then i had the money to get one so i bought it and i just started renoing it and you know making it better and i keep saying every year oh my god i only drive this like two times a year i should get rid of it what am i doing well, I, I think you said that like a few years back you're like yeah, i think yeah, i'm gonna get rid of it and i was like she's just wrapping it now <laughs> I don't think she wants to get rid of it. Like, I know, it's crazy. I can't even explain it. It's so crazy because it's just sitting there. Like I have it in one of my rental properties right. in the garage because it's not rented right now. And um, it's just sitting there for the winter. And, uh, and I can tell you right now that I can say definitively, I'm going to get rid of that car, Zach. 
but when I drive it out of that garage in the spring, it's not going to happen because I like the sound. Like you said, it, yeah. it's a beautiful car. It's an eye catcher. It was a childhood dream car. And I don't know, it'll probably. Like, I love the panel, the paneling on the side with the stingray and oh, it's, yeah. what, what's the color of that vehicle? It's a, like a, um, a red, like a kind of a dark wine now. It used to be candy apple, but now it's a dark wine. And I actually, I love it a lot more. It's almost like it turned into an adult car now. <laughs> with the times, car. with the age? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, it's um, it's mint now. And I and I probably won't sell it. It's I put more money into it than what I'd ever get for it anyways, right? It would have to be a pretty desperate time. <laughs> exactly. What about the... Now you switched from the Aston Martin to go to the F was it not F type? What is it? Oh yeah, it's the F type. F type. Yeah, the Jag. Um, I bought that one specifically for the power because what I did was I was looking at um, McLarens, I was looking yeah. at the Huracan uh, Lamborghinis, and so all those cars are in the two hundred and fifty and up to five hundred thousand range. And I just thought, you know what? If you look at the specs on the F type Jag, same power as these. Two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollar cars, and that's we. Well, you know, I want to drive it fast once in a while. You might want to delete that part off your podcast. No, no, yeah. I'll... So, <laughs> so I wanted it for the power, and, and um, so I thought, why would I spend this kind of money over here when I can have this F type Jag and have the same power? And so I. But aren't they like super heavy though? The F types, aren't they? Um, well, it was a little bit of a change because the the uh, Aston Martin that I had was a, a lot smaller, like yeah. kind of the same as maybe um, the Audi. And, R8, yeah. Yeah, the R8, about that kind of that size. And then when I got the Jag, it, it was like this huge front end on it. And, I, and it's like as if I gave my Aston Martin steroids and there you go. <laughs> it's but, almost the same color, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I <laughs> so love funny. it. Yes, you still have it though? Oh, yeah, it's also yeah. resting for the winter. <laughs> yeah. So in the summer, you just, I mean, wintertime, you just drive the Bentley? Uh, no, I actually sold the Bentley and got a Rover because the Bentley is not great on, like, bad roads. And it was, it just oh. seemed, I love the Bentley. When I did the Bentleys on ice in, in Finland. All I remember amazing. those. It was fabulous, but I always felt very conspicuous driving around Calgary. And I thought, oh, I just feel like, like very pretentious. And I did oh, not that but, but did you feel that with the Aston or the... No. No, but the Bentley you did, eh? I really did with the Bentley. It just seemed like over the top. Like I went to fill up with fuel one day and some guy beside me said, oh my God, you're filling up your own car? (laughs) Like, yeah. Yes, I am. Premium only, right? Yeah, exactly. So I decided, okay, again. But isn't that funny when you see an Aston Martin? I mean, we know what an Aston Martin is, but Bentley at times, it just looks like... The shape, it doesn't, you won't pick it up, but if you know it's a Bentley, you know it's a Bentley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it was a beautiful car. It was the GT. Uh, Continental. Oh, it was the GT. Yeah, yeah and it had the, the 12W yeah. engine in it, and, and it went, and I had a lot of fun with it when we picked it up. Uh, Kara, my friend, and I picked it up in Vancouver, drove it back, did all sorts of silly things with it, burned some donuts in the Walmart parking lot, got kicked out of there. It was crazy. <laughs> did you ever wish you got the GTC? Like the convertible? Um, no, no, I was good with that. I what I really enjoyed with the Bentley was I did like going to the events and you know you pull up to the palace or mm-hmm. wherever and and they take the car and you feel good, right? It's a, it's a nice feeling that you've made, had an, an, enough accomplishment in your life to to something that you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it's all about material stuff, but again, there has to be a purpose on why you work so hard. I'm not Mother Teresa. <laughs> no, no, of course. And, and you, you work hard, stuff. you play hard, right? And you enjoy these things yeah. and you do it for yourself. You're not doing it for anybody else. Well, there's such a stigma, you know, like to money, um, know. you know, the, and even I had a hard time with that one. Like I felt guilty when I, I remember buying my first kind of sports car was the yeah. S5 Audi. And Beautiful I car though. Yeah. Took ribbing over that. You know, some of the guys were like, oh, look, look at all this money and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's not mm-hmm. that I had all that money. I worked my ass off. To get there. Years. Yeah. When you guys are, you know, if you guys don't want to be here, you go across the street and get a job. If I make a mistake or something goes wrong with my company. The buck stops with you. Yeah. Exactly. Everything stops with you. That's where the disconnect is sometimes, right? 
Oh yeah, she. It seems easy for her to do. <laughs> they oh, don't yeah. know what's on the line. All the insurance, everything. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they they don't see it. I mean, they, the people that are with me now see it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, they don't always see that. And there's that that you have to deal with on on the roses. It's like you know, oh, I just yeah. snapped my finger and it all happened. No, I worked like 36, 42 hours straight, two hours sleep, slept in the shop. I did all the hard time. I'm. I know what you mean. I've done that. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't do it now. I'll tell you that, Zach. Mm -hmm. Not a chance. Are you still? Obviously, I'm not putting this up. Are you still in uh, Bel Air? Or where are you? Not Bel Air. Yeah. Bel Air. Yeah. Are you still still? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love being in the inner city. Yeah. It's like an inner city sanctuary for me because it's in a cul-de-sac area. But it feels like you're away, doesn't it? Like wherever you live, it looks. Yeah. Beautiful. I know, I know, but at least I'm in Calgary. I love that I can get absolutely anywhere. When I first moved into this house, I can't tell you how many times I just quickly went over to Chinook, went to the movie theater for popcorn, and then came home. <laughs> no, really? That is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> That's just, of a boss. <laughs> you know, when you live in Okotoks or Crossfield yeah. or all these places that are, you know, 50 kilometers away, you don't have those kind of options. But yeah, oh my God, it was great. What are, you do, what, what, what are you doing these days though? Like obviously you're still at uh, Gamma Tech, but what are you doing? What else are you up to? Cause I mean, you said you're at the hospital. We don't have to talk about that or is that personal? Oh uh, no. Oh, so what do you mean the hospital? I was there for uh, one of my clients yesterday or day before yesterday. Yes. Um, so. so that, but that's Gamma Tech related. So I'm trying oh, okay. to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to do more finance. So I, I saw a need in uh, Supreme menswear downtown. Yeah. And so I went in there, they had an outgoing person and I had a look at their books and um, it needed attention. So I've been basically volunteering for the last nine, 10 months, um, keeping that going. We're in, we're in year end now. And just to give you an example, we have accomplished in those nine or 10 months on 25% of their normal revenues more than they did the year before with full revenues. So it just goes to show you again, it depends who's, paying attention to the money, right? Because you have your creatives mm -hmm. um, and then you have- And they spend money. Yeah, and they spend money without any thought to that. And you need somebody there that can say, no, we don't have the money for that. And, and that's usually that's the end of it. But when you have somebody there just giving it away because they have no um, care to it or they don't have that um, business owner mentality, mm -hmm. I mean, Supreme as an example could have been much better off had they not had the wrong people at the wrong place at the wrong time. Were they buying the wrong products that would, you know, slow down their inventory in terms of um, not so much that um, I think that part was done quite well. It was an over over purchasing. Um, we're back to the make two buck or make a dollar giveaway two. Um, the, the owner of that company is uh, very giving. And so he would give away so much money that he had none left for himself. Uh, so that's what we're trying to correct a little bit now and let him know that it's okay to have a little bit of money. You need to be able to support yourself as mm -hmm. well as the rest of the community because he's very giving. I mean, oh, there's yes. a lot of homeless people down in that area and he'll let them in the store. He will give them a coffee. He will talk to them. And it's really amazing to watch actually. You know, seeing that though, I mean, you have to have a limit to yourself on that, but like, yes. that's what Alberta is about. And those prairie roots, the true yeah. fundamentals, Yeah, helping one another out. Like you said, the come in, it's cold outside, have a coffee okay. on us. Yeah. And it's very much about that. But the only issue with that is when you're, you're giving yourself so much to the community and all the people that are in tears now because of the COVID, you're not looking after yourself. Mm -hmm. And what I try to get across is you need to look after yourself first so that you can give to others you need to if you make more you can give more and it's a really hard concept to get through to somebody that's so giving mm -hmm. um and so that's starting to get across now because you know think about it if say supreme wasn't there firstly you're missing an icon in calgary it's like the apple of new york True and that. say that's gone then what's he going to do he can't give anymore and all the people that he employs and he's been mm -hmm. helping over the years He's not going to be able to help anymore. And so that becomes resentment that. and regret. Yeah, and yeah. yeah and exactly. So we need to keep him going and, you know, let him keep giving back to the community. And he's made some huge strides towards that. And I'm yeah. pretty happy. Do you agree, though, that COVID is good and not, you know, the good way is it's wiping out and trimming out the fat of businesses that are here in Alberta. That's the way I look at things. I'm like, you know what? You probably needed to go a few years ago. 
Yeah, there's I don't mean to be like that, but you... yeah, no, I know what I know exactly what you're saying. There's you know, when times are good, anybody can do it. When times get mm-hmm. tight, then you see who's going to rise to the top. And it's not that you would wish for anybody to no, not make not. it. But yeah, it's like when you have a company and you have those people that are standing behind the cart pulling all the time, always pulling and always causing the problems and go. all everybody else is, you know, going this way, those get left behind mm-hmm. and what can you do? Those people need to change themselves. So even with the companies that are struggling or um, maybe didn't make it, maybe that's an opportunity to a new door to something that there be, uh, they'll be a lot more profitable and happy doing. Deborah, to leave the listeners off with something, what are some of pieces of advice you'd give entrepreneurs starting a business now mm. in 2021? Oh, that's a toughie. Um, I think there's the basic one-on-ones for anything. I mean, when you start a company, you mm. have to have a very clear focus of what you're going to do. It has to be realistic and not to be boring and take out the creativity, but there has to be an, a, a a very clear system of what you want to do. You have to be organized right up front. You don't want to be going and all of a sudden you're doing quite well and you're so disorganized that you're you're operating not turnkey. You always want to be turnkey because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the changes are going to be. Um, you need to surround yourself with people that you trust. That's really important. And if you think you're just going to do an eight to five job, that's not going to happen. You know, you see all, I see a lot of gurus that are like, oh yeah, you don't work hard and you just, you just have to be smarter and all that. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. But you, you are going to work hard. You're going to work long hours. If you have a family, make sure your family's on board with it and make sure it's something that you're going to love. If you're going to put that kind of effort and time into anything, you better love what you're doing or have a really good purpose behind it. Otherwise, again, you're not going to make it. It's not an easy thing. There's, you know, or you're going to have to have something like the paperclip before it existed, right? No, straight up, yeah. Lucky. <laughs> and, though, and that's, you know, and then there's the money. Um, do you have any kind of background? I mean, my, my journey was much more difficult because I didn't have the background. So you, when you're talking to the banking institutions, they're not going to take you seriously. So take all those things into consideration, even if you take some courses that you can at least say, yeah, I understand this. And you can speak to them on their level. Uh, there's so many things that have to be done, is, you know, that um, is not a consideration. And also, where are you going to get your employees from? Is that going to be an issue? Are you going to be paying them minimum wage? And, and all these considerations, what are the government regulations? So you need to know all that up front. Yeah. I appreciate your time today, Deborah. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate being part of it. 